This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Loud and Local continues on The Rock with Kevin Deers, 99.9 KISW. Hey, what's going on? It's Loud and Local Stay Home Sessions, and right now I'm talking with the author uh, of a book called Rusted Metal, A Guide to Heavy Metal and Hard Rock Music in the Pacific Northwest, 1970 to 1995. It is available now. We're all bookseller, booksellers. Uh, you know, you can go to Amazon.com, or you can get it from a smaller uh, company, or we'll, we'll get into it with uh, where, what's the best place to purchase it to help support the project. Uh, but the author is James Beach. How's, how's it going, man? Good, good, Kevin. Hang it in there. Yeah. It's crazy times, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what yeah. a, what a year. How how uh you know before we get into the book, really like how have you been staying sane and safe for the last eight, seven, eight months, nine months? Well, you know, I'm I work out of my house mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, I not only do the music stuff with the label and the book, and yep. you know we're working on other things, but I work for a friend of mine who's a book publisher down in Portland that took over his dad's business a few years ago in a different field that I used to work a lot more in the horror fiction field. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, that's that's turned into a regular, um, you know, part-time, three-quarter time sort of gig with him. Yeah. Um, And doing a lot of the same stuff. I work on fulfillment and do sales and some marketing and customer service and different things, just kind of helping him. And uh, so I, I work a lot out of the house. He's got a little office down there in Portland, so you know I'd go down once every other week or whatever kind yeah. of thing. But but yeah, so fortunately I already was one of those kind of sort of lucky people, I guess, that already worked out of my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't a huge effect there. I just missed uh, some of the events we did a lot, you know, record shows and different ways we kind of promoted what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and so so yeah, and I miss seeing people. I like hanging out with friends and stuff and going to shows and not being able to see the con we were going to a lot of concerts mm-hmm. locally and involved helping out in different ones and stuff and putting on a couple of our own mm-hmm. as you know with the with the metal fest and just having that all shut down's been I, I, that's really been the toughest is just missing seeing a lot of great bands and being able to get out there and get this in front of people so we're just kind of doing what we can do behind the scenes you know working yeah. and fulfilling orders and trying to spread the word and we've got some tentative plans next year starting in the spring to have um some sort of signing if it's okay by that point and yeah have some uh pop-up tents at georgetown records and fanographics there wanted to been been down for hosted it for a long time and 
and they're they're definitely still down for doing it if it's going to be if we can keep it safe for everybody. So, oh, and you can count uh, loud and local and metal shop into to to co-host if if you are awesome. to promote. Yeah. You know, so yeah, um, if you guys want to come down and hang out and be part of it, that would be awesome. So hell yeah. So um, I. Let's talk about the book, but uh, before we do, um, uh, just to uh, you were mentioning the label. So uh, not only did you write this awesome book, but you uh, did you do Northwest Metalworks. How how's things been going with the label? That's true. Yeah, it's it's going really well. Um, we've done at this point we've done seven records, mm-hmm. and we've got two more coming that we just announced a little while ago. Um, we're doing. Uh, we've done records with um, Air Apparent, DKO, yes. and Overlord, and uh, a couple Oregon bands, Whiskey Stick and Cruella. We've done a couple fun compilations, and the last one we did was a Lake Hills compilation with a bunch of bands that yeah. played there um, in the early '80s, late '70s, early '80s. And we've got a we're doing the second Air Apparent record as a reissue, and then we're doing um, Slaughterhouse Five, who played our Metal Fest um, uh, last year in 2019 there in yeah. Seattle. And they just had a little single that they put out themselves in a compilation track and unfortunately never never got more out there, even though they had a demo tape and some other recordings. Mm-hmm. And so we're this is going to be their first album, and those guys just, that was their first reunion show. They just killed it. They were so good, and they're interested in doing more shows if it can happen down the road. So so we're excited about those, too. We've got a couple other potentials down the road that we're sort of kicking around, seeing yeah. what might come of it, but... But yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing because we started Brian, my one of my my main co-writers Brian Naren, and mm-hmm. I actually had three on this book um, co-writers co-contributors um, Brian Naren, who's a long grew up in Tacoma and still lives there in Puyallup and yep. um, Jim Sutton was one of my other co-writers and he's a, originally a Spokane guy yep. and lives on the east side now and. And then James Tolan, who's a local guy in Kirkland, and yeah, I had grew up there and went to many, many shows over the years. And I know you know James pretty well. Yeah, too. I had James in studio with uh, with the band Palooka yeah. one time, and he yeah. was he was the first one who really got this project of rusted metal on my radar. So you can thank James for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, he James got involved. Uh, Brian and I got together on starting the project, and Jim Sutton and James both got involved, and and everybody helped out so much. Um, with this project and James, you know, he knew everybody still, everybody likes James a lot. And he went to so many shows and knew where everything was and knew everybody. And so he helped a lot with connections and he's a huge archivist and had a lot of, we, we all had a lot of stuff we, we saved and collected and so forth over the years from different shows and, and, you know, music collectors we are too and fans. And so, so we had a lot of the materials for the book as far as images and different things and information already in our possession. And and so that helped a lot with it. And and those guys were immensely helpful, all three of them, you know, from going up there and letting me crash at their places to taking us around to different places and meeting people. Yeah. And so that was, it really became a collaborative project. And we had a couple other local guys that were, were in bands or worked in the scene in various ways, wrote some things for the book. And so many people were cooperative with interviews and, it just really blossomed, and but the weird thing was the label spawned out of the book, and okay. we had some bands that were interested in you know anybody that wanted to put out you know their music or reissue their album or whatever, and we just it was something Brian and I had always loved records and was mm-hmm. like, well, maybe we could do this, <laughs> you know? yeah. So, 
so we just we thought, well, you know what the heck? It might be an interesting way to kind of combine the two together and help promote some great bands that are kind of overlooked. And yeah. you know, a lot of these guys, even with the anniversary ones, those guys only ever had um, you know European releases of of those couple records that mm-hmm. we did so far, and they just didn't get a lot of sales and exposure over here and distribution. And so, and then a lot of the other things, the guys just had, you know, a comp track or, or some, you know, single or whatever kind of thing and didn't have, have anything out there really as far as a record. And so, or, or in the overlord case, you know, they did have an EP and a compilation track. And in that case, we expanded it to be a full length with some unreleased stuff. So, so we've done some different things, and, and everything we do is Northwest hard rock and heavy metal stuff. So we kind of keep in that same, that, I mean, that's our focus with the book. And so the record label, we make sure that ties in with that, and the concert events tie in with that. And, and yeah, it's a kind of a nice little umbrella or whatever of of this uh of this genre and and you know the historical stuff is great you know a lot of people were in bands and got a lot of experience that way and have fond memories and so it's really kind of a neat thing for them you know and with many of the bands i mean obviously there's the bigger ones in there like a Queensryche or or sanctuary or somebody that a lot of people know yeah but there's a lot of small bands people have probably never you know heard of outside of the people that played in the band and went to the battles or whatever. And, and so it kind of gives everybody a chance to, you know, have their name in there and be part of the history. And, Cause they were there and, and they were, yeah, you know? they were a, a building block of it. Now, um, Let's before we go too too into the weeds with some of the smaller sure. bands with some of that kind of stuff. I want to yeah. let's go back to like the idea. Like, what gave you the crazy idea to do this? Because I can imagine there are many <laughs> sleepless nights. This is quite the undertaking. This is not some pamphlet. This is not some hundred page, no. you know, glossy magazine kind of thing. This is like eight hundred pages. Is that right? Uh, 902. Jesus Christ. I got to admit, I don't have a copy yet. I I still need to order my copy. We we need to get you one, definitely. It's, you know, it was the idea, I, you know, I published a magazine in the horror um, fiction field for a while. We we expanded to media. I did it for about 10 years and then I sold the magazine. And uh, that's really was a lot of my big start into the writing and editing and publishing world that way. And I, I did books as well. And, uh, but about the last three, maybe five years of them, maybe not that much, four years, we, we started doing special issues where they would have a certain topic and a couple of the issues I did like a horror and rock kind of special. Mm -hmm. And I, always kind of thought about doing a music magazine or a horror magazine when I was younger and when I broke into the to the publishing world I thought well you know there's a need for the fiction side but I always sort of had that other love that the music thing and I wanted to as I started dabbling I was writing a couple articles for other people it's like I'd really like to do a book on this and I with anything if you don't really have like your angle or your experience or whatever it's just not going to be that that good of an end result because it's kind of like writing a, a novel and you know you know nothing about any of the experiences mm-hmm. in there. it just comes across as phony and i thought you know what would be my thing would be you know something in maybe this area because this is where i grow up 
you know, I grew up in Portland. My parents are from Seattle, mm-hmm. and my grandparents were up there, and we travel up there a lot over the years. And so I went to Easy Street, and I went to some shows up there, and I went to various record stores, and 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 so on. And I, you know, I I read The Rocket every every copy I could get my hands on, and yeah. eventually they started having it in Portland, you know. And so I always just kind of followed the scene, and I liked a lot of the bands in the Northwest in general, and and um, so this book just made kind of made sense. It's like we. I, I was like, you know, nobody's done this. People have done books on, of course, the bigger bands and, and the grunge scene and that sort of thing and punk. Nobody's really focused on the heavy metal stuff. And there were so many bands, mm-hmm. you know, so many people. And, and not just during kind of the the high points or the hot periods. There was just in general overall, there was always some bands kind of dabbling in that type of heavier music. And and it just seemed like a need for it. And Brian, I knew, you know, Brian, I met many years ago in about 1990. I think we first met at record collector shows. Okay. And that we were always friends from that. And he had a store for a while in Tacoma and did a record show there. And, and we just stayed in touch. We liked a lot of the same music. And Brian turned me on to a lot of the stuff up north and like, oh, this band this and this band that. And... Um, he always had tons of Queensryche stuff and he's nice. done like archives for him and stuff. So he was always like the guy and, you know, and I followed this stuff over the years as I, you know, when I was younger and Queensryche and rail and, and wild dogs and whoever were coming out, they played that stuff on the radio in Portland too. And we knew who they were and mm-hmm. we'd buy the records and so on. And so I just always had a love for it. And, and this book just made a lot of sense. And, and we knew a lot of the bands. We thought we knew a lot. Mm-hmm. And going into this with all the research, and we just discovered so many more. And I, originally, I planned to make this book span from 1970 to now. But mm-hmm. it was just no way it was ever going to. It was so it started to become so huge as it was with just doing 25 year span that it was like, no, we got to cut it off. And. I ended up extending it to 95 instead of 1990 that I'd originally thought because it it really showed the arc of the music scene kind of changing and a lot of bands couldn't get as many gigs or they, and they lost their record deals or whatever kind of thing and split up. And it just showed this arc of kind of the, the innocence of the impact of the early, you know, proto metal hard rock bands of the early Mm seventies and late sixties kind of, influencing these guys with, you know, Led Zeppelin, Grand Funk, Black Sabbath, whatever, on through to, like, the new wave of British heavy metal and European metal sort of influence of the early 80s, and on through the 90s when, like, the alternative stuff kind of, you know, a lot of the crossover type type of stuff took over, and then, Mm -hmm. of course, grunge became very popular in this you know, labels just weren't signing the metal bands anymore. And if you were already signed and you were big, then you kind of survived it, but a lot of them did not. And so it really showed when we started to see, wow, there just wasn't a lot of gigs for metal bands or even a lot of metal bands by 1995. So, And if uh, you would have continued on, like it would have been such, it would have been like an exercise in like subgenres because you would have had to go in yeah, deep into like the like huge, every so. extreme metal underground subgenre that would just be like another book in and of itself. Uh-huh. So it's kind of, it's, yeah, it's what they just called crossover in the eighties became uh, you know, a number of subjects. Exactly. So you're exactly right. It kind of has metal evolved and to what it is now. There's all kinds of different, you know, and terms are different too. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of 
that was why we ended up combining hard rock and heavy metal because in the 70s there was a lot of hard bands we'd probably call hard rock now like hard or van halen or whatever they called metal yeah and it is kiss really metal is it you know you know so it's like mm, the the definitions kind of changed and evolved and then you know as you had the split where there was early 80s was just metal anybody that kind of did heavy metal was heavy metal it by the time metallica and these things started happening and the crossover kind of stuff it was there was the thrash and you know crossover guys or there was the hair metal or you know glam metal guys or whatever kind of thing and and you know it just kind of evolved into these different areas and then you know 90s of course you had industrial and different other Mm -hmm. things that funk and different things that came into the crossover stuff and and then the scene evolved and so it was it was a conscious thing to put that stuff in there and and the, the other big change of the book was that it started out as more of kind of a a narrative type book and as i we were working on it and i got more and more into it and i realized that it just didn't work that way and there was a couple different reasons one is it just became hugely redundant okay. as there was a lot of the same information in in different areas there was just too much overkill and and it just ended up working so much better as a big reference guide because then we could have the band bios mixed in some interviews throughout the book and it then it would have you know discography and concert listings and studios and so on and so it it's broken down that way with with about two-thirds of the book is the bios there's about 600 and 622 bands Jesus Christ. <laughs> bios in the book. So we had about 90 or so interviews total with different people in the... And, of course, it spans... It covers Oregon, Washington, Idaho, yeah. and even through in Vancouver, B.C., just because it was kind of on the high five yeah. circuit and a lot of crossover-type stuff around the border. So, so we included them. And so... Yeah, so it's 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 a pretty big uh, doorstop, basically. <laughs> so if if you had to just throw a ballpark in there, how about how many hours do you think are represented oh, okay. in this book of your of your life? Thousands. I mean, it it was it took five years to write and compile the thing. Yeah, and do interviews and travel. There was a lot of travel, and you know, my wife is hugely has been hugely supportive of me being gone a whole yeah. lot more. I mean, I, I've done enough of the weekend sort of stuff for events and things. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, new, but there was more definite overnights going up to Seattle or down to Portland or whatever. So, yeah, um, yeah so it was just, it was a lot of work. Um, a lot of it was um, a lot of research mm-hmm. and just, you know, there's some stuff out there about, many of the bands and then there was other ones there was nothing about anybody at all and you know a lot of it was contacting people and you know thank god for social media and stuff because i never would have and the internet because i never this would have taken twice as long to do the book so easily if there was not that type of you know i look at something like loser that was done in the early 90s by clark humphrey which Mm -hmm. is a great book for its time and to think of how much he, you know, probably how long it took him just to do that book, which was, you know, much, much smaller of a book than yeah. mine. And yet with no internet at the time. Oh, no my God, way. yeah. You know, he just had to talk to everybody he knew and use the rocket and any other 
things. So I'm, I'm really grateful there was that. I think that did help a lot. But it was a huge amount of work, and it took another year and a half to even edit the thing and get it laid out right and fix all the errors and yeah. try to correct as many mistakes as we could find and fix. And, yeah, it was a lot of work. I had... It was started to think at some point it'd probably never be done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 a true testament to like your your heavy metal work ethic, you know, getting it out there, and also like, so was this done um, before the lockdown, or did you get a lot of work done toward the end? No, it was done last year. Okay, um, and we did a we did a special little. Like, it, we'd had it up for pre-order on our website, yeah. kind of as a soft pre-order. Okay. Um, and I probably put it up too early, but when we launched the record label, we just went ahead and put it up there, too. And we, we didn't have a whole lot of people buy it, yeah. you know, over that time. It was more as, we, you know, hey, this thing's just about done, and, you know, we're looking at, you know, however many months of editing this thing. And it just took twice as long to edit and correct everything, and it just took stages of that to really okay. get to where... We had it and, and working with the designer on it hand in hand. Yeah, it was just so much. <laughs> so <laughs> well, much. yeah, nine hundred pages, man. That's I mean, and there's just so much stuff you have to compile with. Like, so I mean, there's I'm I'm sure there's stuff you probably even left out that you you know, oh, yeah. which, which oh, is crazy sure. to think that nine hundred pages. But but to someone who's looking out, you know, someone who's not from the Northwest, um, there's. So such a rich history of the early 90s grunge punk alternative indie scene um and and that is so well documented and i've read many of those books and seen the hype and and all these things but if you were from out of the town and you moved to seattle you would have no idea about this other scene you know you would hear the bands like metal church or queens reich and sanctuary but maybe you would think oh those bands are kind of on an island of an in and of itself but there was such a rich scene um that that really brought those bands to to the 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 highest point um it's really awesome that you now have this living document out there um, because it is cool that there's things online here and there and, and people can research if they find it. But it's so much different to have this document that, you know, people could find at a used bookstore in five years. And, and that kid who is just now getting into this stuff will know where they came from. I think it's really awesome. And I thank you for that, man. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, you know, it's my pleasure. I mean, this was, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And it was something I, you know, I, I'm really grateful of so much support for this because so many people were so cooperative with, with giving us their time for interviews and, or sending us images or giving us information. And there's so more people that even, you know, I didn't necessarily interview them or maybe that didn't work out or whatever, but they still helped with information on their band and maybe other people's bands or, you know, whatever. And there was just so many people out there that were excited about this happening. And, and you know, we definitely couldn't have done it without so, you know, because there was just so many shaken trees to, you know, is this right with these people in this band? And, you know, did you know this person? And, you know, was this right for your band? And even then, of course, there's still been a few people that have come out of the woodwork already yeah. and said, Oh, this is the wrong guy in my band. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, we tried to get everybody, <laughs> but 
you know, that's why you do a revised edition down the road kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. When you when you were reaching out to anyone, I'm I'm curious, was anyone hesitant to kind of go back to in in memory memory lane, <laughs> or or was everyone pretty stoked and on board? Uh, there was some, and I think it it's hard to say with some of it. And then there's other people I talked to later on and got to know that did, they just didn't know who I was or oh, okay. who we were. And, you know, some people also, there's some bad memories to do with their mm-hmm. time in certain bands. And sure. they just, you know, they would kind of say, yeah, I'll talk. And then they just didn't, yeah. you know, decided to kind of shy away from it and for whatever reason. And there was, you know, mostly everybody. We had a couple bigger bands. Management turn us down. I'll just leave them on. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that important to have them do an interview because they've done tons of them and everybody knows who they are and I can I was easily it was easy to write a bio on them because there was enough information sure. I knew enough yeah so it wasn't hugely important um, weirdly enough we had a couple interests from a couple of the Queens right guys but it just never panned out to get to get a sit down with one of them mm-hmm. for various reasons but yet we had a great interview with their first manager, Kim Harris. Cool. Um, you know, we talked to him for like three hours. And so as as forthcoming and honest as he was in this interview, it was kind of like, well, do we need? Yeah. <laughs> and, and we had a couple other people that were in, you know, Randy Gate and Myth and this sort of thing. So yeah. it was like, well, maybe we don't really need them that bad because everybody kind of knows enough of, as it is it's pretty in-depth with stuff about them in there yeah. too but but uh but yeah but a lot of people were great and you know whether it was catching somebody backstage before a show and try to sit down with them or whatever we did there was there was definitely a lot of cooperation and and uh yeah it was pretty fun it was fun because in some ways it was kind of reliving some of my youth and yeah. I, I got to see bands even reform and you know some around releases we did and some around this book and some around stuff they were doing themselves and to see bands i never saw yeah you know i was a little too young to catch some of the bands um you know like tko or whoever back in the day and to see them a few times or whatever now that's um you know that's been just really wonderful that's been super fun and and so it's it's kind of nice for that too and it's it's just really interesting to see how many musicians and bands were still out there playing and viable and doing either their own thing or reuniting and do you know doing new music or playing shows or or both. So that's something we touched on in the book too, to kind of what are people doing now sort of thing in the bios to to see that. And so people have definitely commented that they thought that was pretty cool that the dots were all connected with with bands and what musicians did of, of other bands and other yeah. things they went on to. So I think it's, it's pretty cool. It's it just kind of coincidental that uh, t- 2021 is actually going to be 50 years of KISW. And um, it kind of coincides, yeah, I, I <laughs> coincides with the release of this book, which is such a rich document history of the Pacific Northwest the heavy metal and hard rock scene. And um, something that I wanted to comment on at least, and it's not even really a question, but just kind of point out how cool it is uh, to, you know, maybe a kid in Bellevue that, that is growing up there thinking, Oh man, this, this is such a lame town and Seattle's where it's at. If they read this book, they're like, wait a second, this Bellevue, this was like 
the 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 mecca for like hard rock and heavy metal back in that time. Yeah, the it, east side. It's an interesting thing to think of the stuff that went on in the suburbs. Yeah, there, and and part of that was a big circuit too. Is they had you know Craig Cook started booking shows there. You know Unicam and and some of the other um, um, booking you know agencies were doing a lot of stuff there over yeah. the years, and and he came on doing book and rail and, and other bands in the mid seventies. And when they, they kind of went away from the music a bit more focused on the roller skate and they went back to it again. And he brought in the battle of the bands. And exactly. The, the first one they had in 79 was all hard rock metal. Bands. Yeah. And a lot of those members of those bands, all, you know, many of them went on to be in different bands later on. You know, you had guys from Queensryche in, in a couple different bands. You mm-hmm. had the guys from Fifth Angel in Ridge. You had, you know, guys from TKO that, you know, that ended up in TKO in yeah. Pirate, you know, in Q- and Q5. And, you know, all these different bands that came out of this and many, many other ones. I mean, you know, Lenny from Sanctuary played in in one of the Battle of the Bands. And, That's awesome. You know, just a bunch of other people that went on to other things. So... Uh, you know, some more significant than others, but a lot of people that was kind of the training ground, and and there was a circuit within the roller rink. Yeah. So, so okay. yeah, so it was it was interesting. In in my in Portland, we had a couple all ages clubs. Yeah. And so we didn't have there was a little bit of that with the bars and you know all that sort of thing too, but there was with a lot of the heavy metal stuff was kind of focused on like starry night or pine street. And there, you know, there was a few other ones here and there that kind of popped up and, and, and didn't last too long, but, um, but those were kind of the main ones. And so I never really knew that there was so much trouble up North with a lot of the, you know, age limitations. They started in teen the dance ordinance and stuff, yeah. and things like that, that kind of killed a lot of the all ages stuff. So, mm-hmm. So it's just kind of interesting to see. And, and that was something that was kind of interesting, too, was somehow sometimes politics affected, you know, and things that happened in society affected. You know, they had record label representations up of major labels in the 70s in Seattle. And by the time they changed the laws and, you know, took away some of the writing off of laws and this sort of thing, they didn't put the risk into that. And mm. that, that changed a lot of how they signed bands, yeah. too, in the 80s. So they'd give you a record to prove yourself or two, and then you were gone if you didn't. Whereas before that, you could have a seven-album seven deal like a Yes or whoever and really develop as a band. And and so there's just a lot of those things that are kind of interesting, how they affected it. And the indie thing coming when there wasn't any record labels looking at Seattle or Portland, and people just did their own things. You know, I yeah. can make tapes and I can press up vinyl, and or this indie label wants to sign us or that one, and you know, it, or you'd go down to LA and try to make it down there. And, and the difference was eventually, it, you know, people were starting to sniff around and say, "There's stuff happening up here in Seattle." Yeah, because so they did it themselves. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Huh? Exactly. Necessity. Um, so, so, um, I'm curious about, uh, if we wanted to, uh, and you know, I know it's, it's available on Amazon and whatnot, but is there a different place that you would suggest, you know, like a smaller company or maybe, uh, your, your own website that we we do have our own website, yeah. it's northwestmetalworksmusic.com, um, and copies are of the paperback available there, um, 
We had a signed slipcase hardcover that's almost done that we did in the campaign that was an exclusive, which we were basically sold out, but we did end up with a couple extras. So if anybody kind of wants to reach out, we had like a little waiting list. We were kind of, you know, put together sort of thing. And, and um, so, so yeah, so we probably have a couple extras, as it turns out, if anybody wants those. And we have ebooks available, too. Yeah. And that's where also we have some of our record label releases and stuff, too, that are still in stock. So, yeah. And then Amazon's, they're available there. Yep. We've got some distribution there and, and various stores, um, Silver Platters. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, Georgetown. Yeah, a couple different places are carrying them up there. Zion's Gate. Oh, nice. Um, a lot of the great stores up there. And and some down in Portland, like Music Millennium and Mississippi, are carrying them. And few de- around the rest of the world. So. Cool. Well, yeah, you can you can get it directly from you guys at northwestmetalworks.com. Um, and uh, you know, my last question for you, man, I don't want to have, have you all night. We're get, It's getting... Well, it's not that late, but still, uh, I, I'm, I'm curious. We all know the heavy hitters, but from your perspective, looking back, what are some of your favorites? Just a couple, like maybe a handful of your favorites that never really got that shine that you get to kind of expose yeah. in the book. Well, I, you know, there's, there's, I have a few, but there's a couple, you know, Overlord I mentioned was really great band. I never got to see them, unfortunately, but I always liked that record and the track that was on the Northwest Metal Fest. And so that was a real pleasure to be able to put out an expanded reissue of their record. I thought those guys were great. They were really, and you know, they've, they never have got the credit to being like an early predecessor to the to the so-called grunge scene i mean those guys fully had a punky singer singing in a, in a hard rock metal band yeah twin lead guitars and double bass drums and and they had like street type songs you know really gritty type you know almost gang-like type stuff and they were just really ahead of their time mm-hmm. and you know a few people have recognized them but they were they just broke up too soon before like Gorilla Gardens happened, okay. Green River came out, and Soundgarden, and things like that. They yeah. were just a little bit ahead of the curve. Shadow was another great band, Mike McCready of Pearl Jam and the Friel Brothers, and those guys were great. Nice. More of a metal thing, yeah. like almost like Iron Maiden, early Def Leppard type vibe, but yeah. also kind of a punky singer. Um, you know, so those guys were great. I mean, there's a lot of great bands, Panic, and just a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, Bitter End, a lot of them that maybe got a record out, but they just didn't quite get to that next level. And, you know, it was an indie release on Metal Blade or whatever. I loved, there was a couple bands I really loved in Portland. Um, one actually has a reissue coming out now that was one of my favorite bands I saw a handful of times was a band called Gargoyle. Okay. And they, they were, a lot of people called them either Portland's Queensryche or Portland's Iron Maiden. They're <laughs> very power metal with kind of a little bit of prog. Yeah. Um, type elements, um, very much like early kind of Fates Warning, early Queensryche type of vibe. And they recorded up at Triad with Mike Tortorello at the helm. And um, they had a record on New Renaissance. I always liked it. Those guys were great live. And they've got a reissue coming out. And uh, I actually wrote the liner notes for them. So I'm kind of excited about that. um, So that's coming out on a Greek label, um, uh, Cold Metal Classics and um, so that's pretty cool. Um, there was a few great bands. Glacier was a really cool band yeah. in Portland. And the, and the Wild Dogs, they were pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, band that I liked.
liked a lot that I got to see back in the day, and they did a reunion show for us up at the Metal Fest at El Corazon, or mm-hmm. first one we did. Glacier played that, and too. So there was just, there was a lot of good bands. I think, a lot, you know, obviously Metal Church and Queensryche and, and a few of those other ones kind of are more known around the world, but I think in the underground metal scene, a lot of people, if they had a record or CD release, a lot of times people have vibed into them. Yeah. And I think that's that's the cool thing with a lot of that. You know, you have a lot of bands, too, that, you know, maybe they only ever had a compilation track or something, but they had some sort of following. And, um, you know, like I said, there's just there's quite a... I mean, I, I, I like too many things is usually my problem, so it's hard <laughs> to pick a lot of them. And then, of course, you know, you overlook other ones that you're like, yeah. oh, I forgot about that band. But but there was a lot of great stuff. I was fortunate to see a lot of good shows in Portland. I saw a couple things up there at like Off Ramp and Rock Candy. Yeah, um, you know, Forced Entry. I saw those guys were great. And, so killer. Um, uh, you know, Vermont in Portland was really cool. I saw those nice. guys a few times and hung out with them at a couple of parties and stuff. And Poison Idea was a great band. I oh yeah, those guys Jerry A and Tom Pig. Those those guys were great. And they kind of evolved into a crossover thing when the the guys from Mayhem joined them uh, and kind of fused more metal into that punk. Yeah. And, you know, I saw a lot of shows with those guys and the accused and, you know, that's a lot of stuff that was definitely happening when I started going to the club shows in, mm-hmm. in like 86. Uh, before that, I just went to a lot of the arena stuff of Ozzy mm-hmm. or Scorpions or whatever kind of thing. But, but yeah, there was, there was a lot of great club shows and there still is. It's just, you yeah. know, Maybe not right now, <laughs> obviously, but, but yeah, there will well, be again. I'm sure yes. We'll be back to that soon enough. So. And if if you heard any of those names, you know that that James just uh, rattled off, and you're like, man, I want to find out. Now is the time. You can get this book, Rusted Metal: A Guide to Heavy Metal and Hard Rock Music in the Pacific Northwest, 1970 to 1995. See what I did there, James? That's called uh, that's called Segway. That's called uh, product placement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there you go. Thank you, sir. Absolutely, man. So um, yeah, pick up the book, uh, NorthwestMetalWorks.com. Is there any final words you want to say for the uh, Northwest Heavy Metal? rock community well like i said we got a couple records coming out um we appreciate everybody's support and then i'll tease you with something hopefully we'll come back and talk about very soon here we haven't quite dropped it yet but we have about eighty thousand words done on a single band bio that's set to come out next year and the way we're going i think it will probably happen so so yeah so maybe we can come back and talk about that uh sometime soon down the road here Right on, man. Well, thanks very much, man. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 